Hello and welcome everyone. I'm your host, Chris Geis, and this is episode 11, recorded on Wednesday, May 22nd, 2019. The title of this episode is Talking Brap with Shaheen Alvandi. So, you want to ride a motorcycle? Well, you've come to the right place, because this is the So You Want to Ride a Motorcycle podcast. I'd like to start out by reading an email from a listener, George Meyer. George, I hope I pronounced your last name correctly. Um, wrote an email to me after listening to episode eight, which was an interview with new rider and new motorcycle owner G4. And here's what he had to say. I really enjoyed listening to the experience of taking safety courses and that there is more than one type of safety course. I enjoyed listening to how the process unfolded for the beginner. This encompassed confidence building, continued practice, research on types of bikes, and the beginning of an answer, the question of why we ride for the beginner. I enjoyed listening to the commonality of the shared experiences you both had. That was when the conversation was definitely on track. We as writers truly do have a passion and a tradition that started around 1901. I have found items of interest in all your podcasts, keeping in mind that I'm not the only listener. Within the culture, I believe we are writers first. We generally talk motorcycles and experiences without any thought to a person's social status or what they do to make a living. To coin a phrase... He was a neurosurgeon. I always thought he was just some guy who drove a Honda. I've been riding since I was 12 on a Honda QA50. My mom and dad purchased the bike for my brother and I. I have seen bikes come and go. The Yamaha Virago was one of my favorites. These days I've moved on. When I turned 60, my wife drove me from Southern Ohio to Genth Honda in South Bend, Michigan. We walked into the showroom and the salesman greeted me. We walked over to a bike and he asked me what I thought. I said, it's beautiful. He said, good, because it's yours. My wife's gift to me was the technology and the power that I wanted in a bike, not to mention it was my favorite candy apple red. I just finished taking my 2018 Goldwing back to Michigan to have upper and lower wind rain deflectors installed to increase the comfort in the cockpit when the weather is different. Even a ride in the rain invites us to experience heightened senses and to enjoy the beauty of the storm around us as we drive through it. So, not all of your listeners are beginners. As the technology has increased, so has the performance of the bikes. With that, riders just don't need to know the mechanical aspects of riding. Now we are challenged to adapt to the electronic technologies. It's the continuing evolution of the motorcycle. My dad rode a bike with a suicide stick. I rode a bike with a kickstart, or in some cases, a good run with the bike only to jump on it and pop the clutch. The beauty was hearing the cylinders fire, and off you went. Now we have the options of ABS, anti-wheelie control, DCT automatic, and manual transmissions, and on and on it goes. Some are early adopters of the technology. Some cling to the roots and the traditions and are resistant to these changes. My brother is that type. He's a die-hard Harley rider. When I talk to him about electric motorcycles, I can see his head caving in. I'm including a picture on my bike. I call her Om Shanti, which in Sanskrit means peace. It's where I go for my peace. I'm also including a link to a documentary, Why We Ride. I hope you enjoy it. It's free on Amazon Prime. 
So, George, I really want to thank you for taking the time to write in. That's an awesome, awesome email. I, I just love the story about the, the gift your wife gave to you, the uh, the 2018 Honda Goldwing. That is awesome. I, I would have loved to have been there when you got the bike, when she you know surprised you with it. Um, if you have any video or something, I'd love to see it. But thank you for everything that you said. I really, really appreciate it. I'm glad you're a listener. And I do realize that not all my listeners are beginners. I do have a pretty broad audience, and that's something in an upcoming episode I'm going to kind of mention because I want to make sure that although I am very interested in getting new people into the sport, I do want to make sure that, you know, I'm serving the needs of all of my listeners. So it's going to be, I'm going to be reshaping the podcast a little bit, you know, just uh, to broaden it a little bit more, but, uh, you know, still con continue to help new people who, who want to get into motorcycling. Um, and thank you very much for the suggestion on why we ride, why we ride. I've, I've heard about it quite a few times. I've never seen it. So I'm actually going to include this link that you provided in the show notes for the podcast. So anyone who's interested and hasn't seen it, check it out. And, uh, you can thank George for that. So George, thanks again. And, uh, you know, please keep on listening and, uh, keep letting me know what you do and don't like. I, re I really appreciate it. Thank you. So thank you again to all the listeners who are taking the time to uh, contact me or send an email or some other message. I really do appreciate it. And uh, yeah, so I'd just like to keep asking that favor. Any listeners who are willing, please drop me an email or fill out the contact form on my website or message me on Facebook. And just let me know that, that you're out there and, you know, let me know, um, just let me know about yourself, you know, what you do and don't like about the show, you know, what you're writing, how long you've been writing, just uh, any, any information you can give me will be helpful for me shaping the show to, to best meet my listeners needs. And you can always contact me at so you want to ride at yahoo.com. So without any further ado, it's time to get onto the show. Here we go. So I'd like to welcome my special guest tonight, calling in all the way from the West Coast in Portland, Oregon, Mr. Shaheen Alvandi, also known as the Shah of Brap. How are you, <laughs> Shaheen? How's it going? It's going good, good. So I know uh, I know you just got off work. So uh, how how'd your work day go? Pretty good. I, I did. You know, believe it or not, we all have day jobs, right? That's <laughs> uh, yep. Got to make a living somehow, right? <laughs> It's this, it's this, uh, it's this affinity for motorcycles that makes us have to work hard and buy more. Isn't that uh, amazing? <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, I just saw a meme on, on the Facebook, I think that said, you know, uh, it's like a cover of a book and it was like, this is the only bike I'm going to buy for the next 12 months and other hilarious jokes you tell your wife. Okay. Yeah. Actually, I posted that on my Facebook page. I can't, I forgot where I came across it. Okay. Yeah. That could be. I know. Uh, yeah. I, I was, I was laughing hysterically. It's, it's, that's pretty funny. So, uh, you and I are enjoying enjoying some beverages this evening. So, what, what do you have there on your side? So, I've got a little, uh, wild turkey American honey. Nice. That, that yeah. is dangerous. That goes down easy. It, it, exactly Ooh. so you're, you're a brave I, man I, I have to meter myself you know it's like <laughs> uh, so i i uh true to my uh, spirit no pun intended mm -hmm. uh i'm drinking a bit of armenian uh brandy nice uh it's a 40 year old navarre which is uh my dad got me for my 40th birthday three months ago so very nice all right so cheers yeah, so and uh happy belated birthday thank you i'll take it awesome 40's been good 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 yeah 40 was pretty good for me 50s was pretty good now I'm, I'm, I'm 56 working on 60 so i'm hoping i'm hoping nice, that one's nice. just as good yeah yeah uh, so if you I, got any uh, if you got any good uh pointers let us youngsters know 
you know, I, I don't know no, nothing, nothing particular. If, if I think of anything smart, I will, I will definitely let you know. But it, it's funny because you, you and I were chatting the other the other night, and I mentioned, you know, I started writing at age fifty three and just love it. And my basic plan is I'm just going to keep writing until I can't throw a leg over. Yeah. And when I can't throw a leg over, then it's going to be a trike or it's going to be a spider or <laughs> whatever, whatever works. You know, it's interesting you bring that up. So I, I, um, I've worked in the motorcycle industry for better part of 15 years and uh, all on the sales, resale sales side as a sales manager, a salesperson, a finance manager. So I've touched a lot of different uh, people, sometimes mm-hmm. literally. Yeah. Um, but I used to be one of those youngsters that sort of made fun of trikes. Um, and then about, uh, let's see, about 10 years ago, I started working for a Harley Davidson dealership. And one of the bikes that they sell is the Tri-Glide. It's a trike. And let me tell you, man, seeing how it changed the people's lives that were able to once again have the same sensation of speed and wind and general freedom that we have on two wheels, I shut the fuck up about it. I stopped mm-hmm. saying anything negative. In fact, I would I became sort of like this guy who would loudly shut you down if you said anything bad about it. Because to watch somebody's life change in a positive manner that's all I ever want for humanity, right? I, you know, not to sound too flowery or anything, but that's, that's what I care about. That's my biggest, that's the whole reason I do these podcasts that I do and the right things I write and do the things I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want more people to experience what I experienced, which is right. pure joy on a motorcycle. So to get to see that, to watch somebody get on a trike and just see their face light up and smile again. I mean, it made me shut up. I, I, I have nothing but good things to say about them. If I ever come to the point in life where i can't use my legs you damn right i'll look at a trike <laughs> yeah no absolutely and it's a really good point because it was only a couple months ago i came across you know it was it was at the facebook or youtube that seems to be where i find everything these days because right you know, i was saying to you before i've got all the social media stuff on my phone and constantly coming across stuff but someone had posted a video of you know because again I, I like i have nothing against trikes but you know same thing it's like you know ride a motorcycle right but everything's got its place and like you said if 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 there's a vehicle that makes a person happy and lets them experience the the wind in their hair or through their helmet or whatever it happens to be <laughs> like more power to them but uh, yeah no, exactly exactly but, but anyway so it was the video starts out it's just like this big trike looking thing and it's got this big huge kind of trunk it almost reminded me it was you know smaller but it almost reminded me of the um what what the heck was that the roadster that um that uh, Chrysler came out with the what was it called? I can't think of it, but it was like this roadster kind of car with the big, big trunk in the back. It was kind of oh, like uh, a, the Prowler, not yeah, Prowler, Prowler, yeah, Prowler. I think it was Prowler. Yeah, it was the Prowler. Yeah, okay. Anyway, so it, it looked big like that in the back, and then from from kind of left camera, this guy rolls rolls up in a wheelchair, and he rolls up to the back of this trike, and he's got like a key fob or something, and he clicks a button. And what I thought was the trunk, it was the rear of the bike lifted up and Uh then like a little ramp folded down and he wheeled his wheelchair into the strike. Everything closed down and he was all set to roll. I was like, that is so awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I think I've seen like that in in Daytona. uh, I think they're powered by, um, uh, I want to say maybe a a Chevrolet four-cylinder motor or a Ford four-cylinder motor, but it's mm -hmm. uh, it's a pretty neat thing. I mean, talk about giving somebody freedom, right? 
Absolutely. But, and like well, you said, it's, it's not like I had anything against trikes, but I saw that video and I was like, dude, shut up. It's like, I, I don't need to have an, I don't need to have an opinion. It's not necessary. This guy's out and riding, you know? So it was right. really cool. And then not long ago, I saw another video, um, of a, of a, someone had come up to an older woman. She's maybe seventies, mid late seventies, something like that at a gas station and also a trike kind of vehicle. But this thing, it was like had like a six cylinder engine in it, and it was all chromed out. And this woman was just just looked so happy, you know, just she's putting gas in the thing, and she just went and cruised off. So, yeah. have you ridden the trike? No, I haven't. They're they're surprisingly difficult for guys like you and I to, or people like you and I, I should say, to to ride because we're used to leaning, we're used to right. you know and, steering with our bodies. A trike leans like a car; it leans outside of the turn, not into mm-hmm. the turn. Uh, so you know, you when you're holding on to the handlebars and trying to kind of like lean into it, it, you're, you feel this weird pull and it's nothing but you fighting it. It's a, as soon as you stop fighting it, it's easy to ride, but it, it took a, took me a minute to learn how to ride. And the first track I ever rode was a boss hoss. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, nice. So I, I thought I would, I would start my track riding career on a, on a, on top of a Chevy 350. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> a two-speed Chevy 350. That that thing did the longest, meanest burnout on the planet. But wow. if, if that doesn't make you grin, I don't think. It will. <laughs> I'm guessing that's a very lightweight vehicle, huh? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, one of the one of the my girlfriend Gina does some bookkeeping, like part time for a mechanic. He's got a shop not too far from here, and he's got a, a Boss Haas motorcycle. He just loves the thing. It's like yeah. I've never I've never seen him ride it, but like every time I talk to him about it, his his face just lights up. It's like it's his thing. It's his baby, you know. If, if so. you ever get a chance to go to Daytona for Bike Week, which is like the first two weeks of May, uh, March, yeah, you'll see them there. People will roll up and down. I mean, they it, it almost feels like they just take him out of the trailer cruise up and down main street a couple of times and then go and drink. Right. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a lot of machine. It makes a lot of noise. It's not, it's not something I would want to ride, ride long distance. It's a great mm-hmm. bar hopper, I guess, but sure. it's, a, it's a hell of a thing to have a giant eight cylinder stuff between two wheels. But yeah, but that's the thing. There's all these different kinds of vehicles and there's different reasons people have them and different types of riding they like to do. And you know, one, one of the things I'm thinking I may actually do is <clears throat> like an episode on eliminating like brand bigotry in motorcycling right and it's not even just brand right because you know you have people who just like that they're like loyal to this kind of bike or that kind of bike and right. the, the point just being and maybe something you alluded to before it's like the more divisiveness we have in the, our own motorcycling community the harder it makes for everybody you know if we want to have you know a group of people that's well regarded and where we can get lane splitting legalized in all 50 states and <laughs> you know we, we can grow and expand you know maybe what we have to do is find ways to just kind of find common ground and stop worrying about like the differences here right. and there you know even to the point where you know like there are guys that drive um not the spider what's the uh the car the three-wheel car uh not polaris um well, so there's there's the Morgan that I'm thinking of. That's the expensive it, version. Like the yeah, the Morgan's the expensive version. Slingshot. I, I don't know. I, I always draw a blank on it, but this the slingshot. Well, I think that's right? made by Polaris as well. Um, I believe that's true. It's either Polaris, yeah. Polaris. Yeah, yes, I think so Polaris, Polaris slingshot. The yeah, and there's the other one, the smaller version. Yeah, but the anyway, the the point I was getting to is, you know, I know people who are like, you know, they ride motorcycles and they're like, yeah, you know. This guy went by me the other day in a slingshot and he, you know, he, wo- he, he, he waved to me like he gave me the, the, the two fingers or whatever. And I'm like, 
yeah, and and they're like, well, it's not back. a motorcycle. What? Yeah, it's like, well, decent human being like, wave back. <laughs> right, exactly. But and some people won't wave, and I'm like, no, that's not cool either. It's like, hey, if that's if that's your vehicle and that's what you enjoy doing, and who knows how many motorcycles the guy's got in his garage, you know, what what does it matter? It's a, it's a very interesting out. lifestyle in that um, the people that ride. I tend to find newer riders, you know, the people who have been riding for less than five years, let's say, they're the ones that tend to kind of find a specific niche yeah. and they find themselves in it, whether they ride a sport bike or a cruiser or a dirt bike or whatever it is. And they put all their love and energy and concentration on that one thing. And so it becomes their world. And they they put a lot of energy into it. And as soon as you talk outside of that that circle, that fine circle that they've made, it's very alien to them. So instead of accepting it, a lot of them tend to, not a lot of them, some of them, honestly, I don't want to say a lot because I've met a lot of motorcyclists that are unbelievably open-minded minded and, and uh, inclusive. Um, but some people find themselves drawn to a thing. Uh, and in the motorcycling world, it could be a specific kind of motorcycle. And that's all they care about. That's all they want to talk about. They believe it's the greatest thing. To a point, I've always said, my favorite motorcycle is the one I own right now. Right. Yep. Doesn't matter what it is, right? Whether it's a Kawasaki or a Honda or a Ducati, the one I have right now, the one I'm riding right this instant is just my nirvana. Mm -hmm. uh, so while I understand that, I, I think some people get lost in that and they think that's it. This is the one, right? I'm a Harley guy for the rest of my life. I'm a Kawasaki guy for the rest of my life. And oh man, there's there's so many different offerings out there. There's so many different styles out there. Uh, the the thing that Jensen and I always talk about in our podcast is. You know, we we always talk about it's interesting how motorcyclists who want to feel freedom and they talk about it being a uh, a vehicle towards freedom are oftentimes some of the most conservative people in the world because they just want to keep this thing to themselves. And, mm. uh, you know, if you meet a motorcyclist like myself who rides 12, 13,000 miles a year, they look down on everyone who only rides maybe a couple of, you know, a couple of times a week. Right. Um and there's no reason to, you know, that's like, that's my choice, right? I've decided to only own the motorcycle. I, I, I ride a lot because it's my, it's my vehicle. It's my car. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the person living next door who has a bike that can only ride it on Saturday is somehow less worthy or less of a rider than I am. That's not the case at all. Sure. So that's what we keep trying to tell everybody. You know, when I worked in the dealership system, it's, it's like, everybody's welcome. I don't care, man, woman, old, young, it doesn't matter. There's something for everybody. And chances are you're going to find it. And it may not be a specific brand that I want you to buy, but it might be something that fits you physically, emotionally, et cetera, et cetera. So um, that's that's really what I want. I want to see everybody ride. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons I started this podcast is just, you know, I just, it's something I discovered a couple of years ago. I just love it. Um, you know, I mentioned to the other day, you know, as soon as I got into it, I started hearing all this stuff about, well, maybe motorcycling is shrinking. I'm like, what do you mean it's shrinking? It can't go away now. I just, I just found this thing. Right. So, <laughs> so, so let me, let me do whatever I can just to help promote it and let people know. And, and yeah, I love doing interviews like this because everyone's got a different viewpoint, like you're saying, and a different story. And it, it's motorcycling is very human. I mean, it's funny because there, there's the mechanics part of it, which I, I like, right? There's the hardware, there's the metal, there's the plastic, there's all that kind of good stuff, which is cool. Right. And then there's the technology of it. And you get more and more of that now with all the fancy electronics options and things on bikes, right? And now we're getting into electric motorcycles and all that kind of stuff. But really, to me, what makes it interesting, and I think what really draws most people to it is the people. You know, it, yeah. it's just it's the people you meet, the friends that you make, and, and, and those connections that you make. And I, I think in part because... 
people who are drawn to motorcycling, you know, you can't make generalizations, but just my experience, like kind of generally is they're just more, I don't know, like they're looking for freedom. They're looking for something different. They don't want to be painted into a box, you know? Yeah. And, and so they're just kind of cool people to be around. How many other items can you pay money for that gives you, you know, the ability to get away? And, and it's, it's, it's not like a car, right? We've all done road uh, trips in a car and that, that has its draw as well. But on a motorcycle, you, you, you get to experience the world in such a visceral manner that it makes you feel sort of in love with everything. You know, you, you're, you're in touch with it all and you're, you're in the uh, environment, you're feeling the heat, you're feeling the cold, you're feeling the dry, you're feeling the wet. Um, so as an example, we, we rode from Portland down to Cabo San Lucas, Baja, Mexico nice. uh, a year and a half ago. And one of the guys that rode with us in a moment of, uh, you know, joy and a bit of drunkenness after a couple of margaritas said, you know, when you fly to Baja, to Cabo specifically, and get picked up in a car and get taken to a resort, you experience the Cabo and the Baja that they want you to experience. But when you right. ride your motorcycle from tip to tip, you see and everything. You meet the people and eat the food and, you know, experience the raw rawness of it all and see how kind everybody is. You get to see the Baja that you should see. And mm-hmm. that is the truth about the entire world, whether you just ride in your state or in a, in a regional area or the whole country, or if you're lucky enough to, as a couple of people that I know that ride the world, man, those are the people that whose eyes just open up. It's, it's you, you have no choice, but to be a part of the, of the nitty gritty on a motorcycle. Right. And that's the best part, right? Cause you can go out in a car, but you're still inside a shell. And mm-hmm. when you're on a motorcycle, isolated. You're, yeah. Right. <clears throat> it's amazing. People can touch you or like you, you guys were just talking about in the le- last episode of Brap Talk, people can push you over on your motorcycle, right? Like when happened, the, yeah. what, what is it called? The alley, alley tour or something? The alley sweeper. Yeah, that's an alley annual sweeper. thing that happens here in Portland uh, where you have to be on a road legal vehicle, uh, motorcycle. T- typically ends up being enduro motor, uh, dirt bikes that are pretty lightweight. Yours truly here showed up in a 580-pound uh, uh, tank. <laughs> but it did the job. Whatever works. <laughs> yep. More challenge, right? In some ways, yeah. They they uh, at, at one point uh, they climbed a set of stairs. I think maybe like nine or ten stairs, and I was like, "All right, I guess I'll go up this too." And the big girl did it. <laughs> nice, cool. That's very cool. So, so yeah. Since we started talking about Brap Talk, so you're co-host on Brap Talk with Jensen Beeler. So, right. how how do you guys know each other? Like, you, I guess so know I, each other for years, or uh, Jensen and I have known each other for a little over four years now. Uh, I moved with my wife from central Florida to Portland, um, kind of give you a full story. Uh, I was in motorcyclist magazine for a split second. Uh, they did a thing when they started their, um, social media networking specifically on Instagram where they wanted to get more followership. They're fine now, but when they first started, they only had a couple hundred followers. Um, and they did a giveaway for a helmet called, um, it was, a, it was a giveaway based on a hashtag. And the hashtag was hashtag I need a new lid, a really long hashtag. And they wanted you to put up photos of yourself, a photo of yourself. Uh, and the most popular photo gets to win a uh, Mark Marquez edition X12 showy helmet, which I have, uh, you can kind of see hidden right there. Very nice. So, nice. Not to give away the ending too much, but I won. Yeah. Um, and. They ended up putting me on the magazine saying, hey, this has picked up some steam, so we're going to put you in the magazine in a segment that used to be in Motorcyclist Magazine called Me and My Bike. Um, and so 
I got to be on me and my bike, and the gentleman uh, who used to be the general manager of Moto Corsa, which is the number one Ducati dealership in North America, happens to be in Portland. He was in the crapper reading his magazine, like much of uh, a lot of us did when magazines were so mainstream. Right. And uh, saw my mug uh, standing next to a Ducati, and on the article, you know, at the bottom it said, you know, name Cheyenne Alvandi, motorcycle, 2012 Ducati Multistrada, 1200s, occupation. Finance manager at Harley dealership, and to him he was like, "Wait a minute, why is this guy riding a Ducati and working for a Harley dealership?" So uh, he was intrigued and and reached out to Motorcyclist Magazine, and they 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 introduced us to each other. And so fast forward, uh, I ended up getting hired by Moto Corsa, and they moved us, my wife and I, to Portland uh, after much negotiating. And uh, I got to meet Jensen because he was he had just moved to Portland, I think maybe a year prior to me. And um, I'd always read his uh, uh, online newspaper, or I'm sorry, online magazine, which is asphaltandrubber.com. Mm -hmm. uh, so getting to meet him was kind of cool. It's like, wow, man, I've been reading your words for a while now. It's really, really neat. He's been doing it since 2009, I think. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I just became buddies. He became a part of our close uh, friendship here. There's a bunch of us that are kind of displaced. We don't have any immediate family here, and it's just us. So he's part of that group. And, uh, yeah, so we've been riding together a bunch and hanging out together and eating together. And uh, um, he had started a previous podcast with another mutual friend of ours, which was Two Enthusiasts. Yep, that's the one I started listening to. There you are. You're, Lost you're you for a second. Okay, yep, yeah, back. no problem. So, uh, yeah, so you were saying, so, right, so prior prior to Brap Talk, Jensen was, was doing Two Right, so, so he had started yeah. Two Enthusiasts podcast with another friend of ours, and it fell through for a myriad of reasons. Yeah. And uh, and they've done well, actually. They I think done like eighty something episodes. And so yep. he approached me last year and said, "Hey, would you be interested in doing this podcast with me? You and I have a pretty good flow together, and we like to sit and chit chat. So let's just do that with mics in our faces." And I'm like, "All right, no, no problem. Let's do it." And uh, it's, uh, it's it's doing pretty well. We're we've got a really good uh, energy together, and he he is so unbelievably you know well informed and knowledgeable about the technical side of everything. And I'm. I feel like I'm just like the MC of the podcast. I'm like the loud, loud mouth one. He has to turn my mic way down because I'm so noisy. Right. <laughs> um, but I come from sort of like the human side of the motorcycling, right? I've, I've been mm -hmm. part of the sales side. I'm the president of the local owners club. I've always been with a lot of different groups. I ride a lot. Uh, I travel a lot in my motorcycles. So to me, motorcycling is all about going out and seeing the world. To him, it's, you know, it's, it's a myriad of things, but he is mostly a sport guy, sport bike guy. And he does right. racing. He just now started racing. Yeah, which is uh, cool. So if you ever ride with a guy, he is just, he's on another level as far as I'm concerned. I, like, I'm pretty good. I've been riding for 20-something years now, but this guy, he's a technical rider. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, anyway, so we got to know each other, and we got to do this podcast together. Uh, we only started like six months ago, and uh, we've done 13 episodes released. We just re recorded episode 14, so that should come out pretty soon. Uh, we initially intended on it being a weekly podcast. And during the winter when it's quiet, that's easy enough to do. But in the summertime when we're both busy. A little tougher. Traveling and everything. I mean, right now he's in Sweden. He'll be back tomorrow. He's been gone for a week. So, you know, it's a, it's a little bit harder to do it weekly. And our listeners are very vocal, like, come on, man, I need my fix. It's like, <laughs> right, oh, man. Right, right. So it's so cool. It's so cool to have people that listen to you, as, as you found out. You know, uh, we're just sitting here with our ideas and our opinions. That's all they are. It's just hot air. And I'm grateful that anyone's willing to listen to me at all. But uh Hopefully, while while they're listening, I can give them a positive message, 
of go out there and ride, be safe, be nice to each other. I always yell out to everybody, you know, safety third. It's always in the thing I've yelled out to people. Right. Um, and so the reason I've come up with safety third, a buddy of mine and I used to always yell it to each other. People always ask me, well, what's number one and two? I said, well, jokingly, I always say, oh, I can't even talk about it. But the serious answer, and I'll give it to you, <laughs> yeah. is this. I think safety first as a concept is a very selfish concept. It's, it's I think, been brought onto us by corporations and workplaces who don't want you to get hurt on their dime. Uh -huh. um, okay. so, to, so to me, safety third is have fun, be nice to other people, and then safety, right? So it's so like concentrate on the other parts of life, and, and you should also be safe. So not to sound too gushy, but go out there, have a good time, you know, meet a lot of people, be nice to them. And then also be safe. <laughs> so no, that's a great point, and I'm I'm glad you brought it up because that was one of the questions I was going to ask you. And in fact, when I first contacted you about, hey, could you know you want to come on the podcast? That that was the first question that came to mind. I was like, okay, so <laughs> I, I got it. Safety third. What's first and second? But I I really like that. I, I I agree with that way of thinking because safety is important. But yes, like, and it's interesting too because I think about things and I've talked on a episode or two of mine and you know i'm a co-host on throttle podcast we've talked about like the isle of man tt mm -hmm. and um that's very interesting you know it is probably the most dangerous motorcycle race on the planet currently yeah. um, although right. i know you guys were talking about pike's peak recently which you know has has its aspects right um but isle of man tt is just interesting because the, the nature of it and the fact that it is on public roads that really have no safety features. I mean, they're changing it a little bit here and there, um, but it's basically, you know, streets that are lined with homes and stone walls and all this kind of thing. There's like no margin for error. Nope. And it was really cool because um, for, for people, I might've mentioned on a previous episode, but for people who are interested in racing, check out, there's a, I think, I don't know it was HBO. I forget the network that did it, but there's a, a TV series called The Religion of Sport. And they did a one hour, I think it was a one hour piece on the Isle of Man TT. And what really stuck with me about that was part of it, they, they interviewed um, a, a religious figure, I guess a minister, a pastor or something, mm -hmm. you know, on, on the Isle of Man. And the question to him was, well, you know, you guys run this race every year that on average costs one or two lives. Like, like, why do you do it? Why do you permit this to happen? Right. And his answer, you know, right, as a religious figure, right, someone who's responsible for guiding people and, right. you know, helping them run, you know, have successful, happy lives and whatever, he, he had a really cool answer. And basically what he said was, he's like, this is part of how these guys live. Like, this is, this is their life. This is what they're driven to do. This is what they enjoy. And basically to deprive them of that would be a crime. And I was like, looked at that. I'm like, wow, that, that's just, it's an interesting viewpoint. So yes, there's risk and there's danger involved. But his point was living is about life and experiencing it to its fullest. And, and right. I've seen interviews with different racers who raced the Isle of Man. And they've all said, you know, to a man pretty much, it's like, I, I'd rather do this thing that I have this passion for. And, you know, I don't want to die young, but I'd rather go out doing this than wait till I'm 80 years old and, you know, slip yeah. and bang my head in the bathtub or something, you know, it's, so it's it just, anyway, so I, I think safety third fits in with that, that view of life, right? Yeah, it does. I mean, ask yourself the question, why did you start writing at this point in life, right? That's exactly because it is not because you look at it going, you know, it, it's, it's funny because I talked about this too, an episode where I, I talked about, you know, the, the, I call the episode the philosophy of motorcycling, and I was just talking about how 
for me, there are these different aspects to life, right? So there's, you know, there's the rational kind of thinking part, there's the emotional, and then there's the spiritual, you know, if that's right. something that's real to people. And there's a lot about motorcycling that's not rational. I mean, I'm, I'm trained as an engineer. I'm a technical person. So I, I can do you a nice spreadsheet that shows all the reasons why I shouldn't ride a motorcycle. But, <laughs> but life is not spreadsheets, you know. No. And so, it, you know, it, to me, it's all about risk reward. It's like, okay, what's the risk, but what's the reward? And if the reward is worth, you know, is more valuable or, or more factors in more than the risk, well, that's the, that's the answer to my equation. You know, yes. and, and that's what I found. So you do the things you can to understand the risk and mitigate it. So if something goes bad, it doesn't go too horrible. You know, even like what Jensen was talking about in the, the last episode, right, about, um, you know, his first racing experience, right, where he forgot to torque down the nuts on the drive sprocket. <laughs> and unfortunately, whatever, you know, it's luck or, or someone was looking down on him or whatever it was, right? But right. when the sprocket came off, he was off the racetrack already. Right. Um you know, when at least when it bound, when it locked up the rear wheel. So, but I, I bet you he enjoyed the heck out of that day. Like, you know, and that That's experience, not- it sounded to me from what he was saying was well worth whatever that aspect, you know, element of risk is. And it's a lesson learned, right? It's like, you know, like he said, right, his buddy said, that's why, you know, you, you do a job, you finish it. You know, you put the, you put the drive sprocket back on, you torque the nuts. That's it. Like, no. <laughs> And oh, so you, yeah. de- you develop your techniques for doing things as safe as Touch possible. That bike from head to toe, man. Every time, I yeah. mean, I don't even race, but I have a track bike. I have a 2003 Ducati 999S, and you know, it's a finicky little thing, but it's it's a uh, my finicky little thing, and I know it from top to bottom. And every time I do a track day, I touch it from top to top to bottom because mm-hmm. just physically touching those bolts will let you know, right? You can tell when something's off if you just simply sure. touch it. Um, so where do you live? I'm on Long Island. Oh wow! So in, in Levittown, New York, terribly far from you. I think it's a New York uh, safety ground. New York, New York safety track, which I haven't been to yet. I I know guys actually. Some a guy that I did a you know a motorcycle course with, and then a, a friend of mine. They've been up there, and I, actually, I want to go. In fact, I think this guy Tom Walker, who is a, a motorcycle safety foundation instructor, mm-hmm. he put together this little course called the cornering college where basically it takes you in a parking lot like you do with msf but it was yep. about you know you brought your own bike and it was about teaching body position and the right way to hang off the bike and you know the right way to do cornering and that kind of thing and uh he does these track days so actually i think what i'm going to do is get him on an upcoming episode and then he and i are going to talk about how we're going to strategize getting me on the track because i would nice. love to try i would love to try track days and i thought that would just be kind of because like what, what what you and jensen are doing and it's interesting because he was talking the episode I just finished listening today. Um, I forget the number of it. 12, 13, 13. The, one, 13, the one just came out, right? You know, he was saying how, you know, for him, a big part of why he wanted to start getting into racing is because there's interesting stories related to that that he can then put up on asphalt and rubber, right? Various things about, you know, how do you approach the thing and, you know, you know how do braking components matter and how do you choose the right braking components and all that kind of stuff. And he said something that stuck with me that, you know, he, did, he didn't think his listeners were that interested in Jensen Beeler's experience as, as a racer. And, and right. actually, I, mean, I was going to shoot you guys an email, so I'll just say it here. For me personally, actually, I find it very interesting. You know, it's like I actually – 
I like what he's doing with that, you know, and, and just being able to follow like everything he talked about experiencing on that, that first weekend. It's like, no, I want to hear, yeah, I want to hear Jensen's side of it, like what's good and what's bad and, and kind right. of, so, so that's what I was thinking. It would make a cool episode for my listeners if I do that with like, okay, so here's Chris getting ready for his first track day and now he did it and here's what happened. <laughs> you know, yeah. ho- hopefully he didn't come off the motorcycle. <laughs> so, you know, the thing that I will tell you, I'll, I'll give you a heads up. Try to remember, as someone who's going to broadcast it, try to remember the feelings you have the day that you go to the track. Because I promise you, you're going to have butterflies in your stomach. You're going to be a little bit overwhelmed because you're going to be surrounded by people who clearly know what they're talking about. And they're fast. You know, you can just see how fast they are. You can see it in their faces before they even get on a bike. You're going to be, you know, surrounded by people who are also brand new, just like you. And what I hope is that the track day that you attend will have a proper, you know, whatever they call it, group C or group three or whatever they end up calling the, the beginner riding uh, group, but they will have a proper group C, which has uh, instructions off the track and on the track. That's how we do it here in Portland at Moto Corsa. Um, I love watching new track day riders go out there and just look almost horrified, just nervous with their mm-hmm. eyes are just big as discs um and they're they're having a hard time even breathing and you you know we as their friends walk up to them pat them on the back go just relax i promise you're gonna be just fine but like three four hours into it when lunch break happens you just see them walking around with their shoulders held back and their heads held up high and like oh yeah i got this thing they're not going that fast compared to the rest of us but they figured it out They've, they've figured out that thing uh that allows them to relax that little switch in your head will get flipped at one point you're gonna go oh yeah I just relax a little bit. If I just calm down a little bit and just learn, concentrate on my breathing and on my lines and on the points on the track, you're going to walk out of there just a whole different human being. Your your street writing is going to change in such a great way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I look forward to you doing that. I look forward yeah. to listening to the podcast after you've done it because I'm curious to hear your, because you're very good at uh, explaining these things. So I'm curious to see uh, how you're going to experience and what you're going to experience both emotionally and physically right Uh, because it is very physical i bet you're going to sleep like a baby that night oh i i totally expect it yeah and it's interesting too that you mentioned the butterflies i mean i haven't even gotten on the track and i have butterflies like (laughs) like like just thinking about and it's nothing about you know it's nothing about the speed or the technique or whatever it's just that in the back of your my head like okay what if i crash like it's that and and i think you know that right so in part that's kind of what life is about period forget motorcycling yeah. right it's like you know i i i heard someone once say that you know courage is not having no fear courage is moving ahead despite the fear yes right? which is which is kind of which is kind of interesting so you know it's like constantly challenging yourself in life and i think maybe too that's what draws me to motorcycling and maybe other people as well is there there is that element of danger and you know as a brand new rider, because when, when I finished the MSF course, and I've talked about this on the, the podcast, I got my license endorsement. I'm like, okay, I'm all good. I'm quote unquote legal to ride on the road now. I knew I didn't I didn't belong on public roadways. Right. Because, it takes a bit. Because <laughs> I, I knew I, I knew the things I messed up, you know, when I was being tested, even though I passed, you know, and I was like, okay, that's fine. We're in a parking lot 20, 25 miles an hour. There's no tractor trailers whizzing by and all that kind of thing. So it was just like this, you know, the step by step progression you know of like right. okay good so 
All right, so I don't really want to go across that major intersection, but it's time. Like I'm good enough. It's time now to tackle that thing, and you do that thing, and it's like, right. do, I, do I really want to get onto the parkway? You know where people are doing seventy miles an hour. Well, okay, <laughs> no, it, it's like time, and it's interesting because one of the recent episodes I did was with a brand new rider, and, and actually one of the things I'm going to do with him, he's agreed to come on every couple months. And we're going to talk about his experiences so far and nice. you know, what's good and what's bad and, you know, what he needs help and tips with. So that, that'll be that'll be kind of cool. But, yeah, so so I guess just like I'm going to do with him, OK, as he becomes an accomplished motorcyclist, OK, I'll do the same thing with track days. And I think I'll have I expect to have all good things to say, but I also, you know, I think I have realistic expectations. Like I know I, I know how many miles I've ridden and I know how long I've ridden. And I know I'm not Marquez, <laughs> you know. So it's none like, of us are. Nobody is. <laughs> He's barely Marquez. That guy's amazing. <laughs> that guy's amazing. But uh, yeah, so um, it's actually that's actually since since okay since I mentioned Marquez, so Coda Circuit of the Americas, um, which was it was a bummer because I was hoping I was going to get a chance to hook up with you guys, but I mean, you, know, you, didn't. you came and went very quickly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was in what the heck was it Sat- Sunday? I was in Sunday morning and I left Sunday evening and I flew the yeah. red eye both times just because that's that's just what I could squeeze in, and, yeah. and not to complain, but basically because a day or two after that, Gene and I went to Hawaii for ten days, so it was like all that. I almost wasn't going to go, but I was like, I don't know, I like. I was hoping to meet you guys, and then I knew other guys from the podcasting world that were down there. And it's like I don't know, MotoGP and Moto America. I can't it's miss. Such a, I it's can't such a miss big thing. venue. It's hard to hard to plan meeting people by chance because it's just so big. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think every time I go there, I walk. Some I think my pedometer says like eleven to twelve miles a day. It's insane. It's amazing, and you're just in one place. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, I, I heard to the ep- I heard the episode where you guys were talking about that. You were like all over the place, right? You you and James. Uh, yeah, I, I, dude, there. I'm I'm a I'm a social butterfly. I want to say hi to everybody, and everybody happens to be in all over the place. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I just walk around and hand out stickers and high five people and uh, and just have a good time. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, where where were you sitting for the like for the the MotoGP race? Were you so I, I ended up at uh, at uh, what they call Ducati Island. Every year, Ducati shows up and sets up a big area. Uh, that's, you know, for the Ducati people, uh, you have to pay a little bit more money, but they feed you and give you drinks, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's where I ended up for the actual race with a lot of my friends from the Ducati side. Um, but you know, during practice and qualifying, I was everywhere. <laughs> I was everywhere. <laughs> right. right. And everybody would ask me, they're like, what's the best place? I'm like, I don't know. It's Coda. Honestly, that's the thing with Coda. It's so big. There is not a best place to sit. The best place to watch Coda is on TV. Uh, but it, you know, for me, when I go to live events like that, it's, it's an, an opportunity for me to walk around and, you know, see all the vendors and check out all the people and talk to this and talk to that. And, um, you know, I, for the first time ever got it, got to go with a press pass. So I had a really neat behind the scenes sort of scene where I got to see things that I didn't get to see before. So I got to meet a lot of people that I've never gotten to meet before. And it was kind of neat getting starstruck by that. Um, but no, I, I ended up at Ducati Island, which is pretty much right on the front straight. And your best view is looking up to ter- turn one. A lot of people don't realize that there is a 120 foot elevation change between, you know, the flat spot of, ter- uh, of uh, front straight and the turn one. Um, I'm hoping this year to actually ride at Coda. So fingers oh, nice. crossed, uh, that should be a good one. Um, would that be like, see, a we'll see how I do it track day or yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That's, that's, 
I am at best a fast track day rider. I will. So Jensen and I uh, have talked about this. I'm going to tell you preemptively the, the next episode that comes out. I think I've decided to do racing next year. Oh, nice. So I'm going to probably get my hands on a middleweight bike. Uh, I don't quite have the budget to buy a Kramer, but I'll probably end up buying something like an SV650 or mm-hmm. an R6. Because uh, you can pick one of those up track ready for three, four thousand dollars in really, really good shape. So nice. um, I think I'm going to do that and start doing the local Oregon Motorcycle Racing Association. So um, OMRA um, and see how that goes, because I'm, I'm, I can hold my own pretty well and I can certainly learn a lot. Um, and I'm excited to do that. So every time I do a track day, I get a little bit faster. I learn something. I've gone down twice in the last two years and you learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And you make use of the leathers a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a big gaping hole. So funny enough, the whole reason I came up with my Safety Third sticker was because I wanted to get a patch, a leather patch that said Safety Third on it. Um, across across your backside? No, you know, I was going to put it on my elbow. So I, obviously your listeners can't listen to it, but yeah, I'll yeah. let you see. Cool. So it's a patch. It's a leather patch. Nice. Uh, and I made it so I could put it on the elbow of my suit where the hole is from, where I hit the ground. And then I like the patch so much. I'm like, dude, make me stickers of this. So I made a bunch of stickers and I've given a bunch away. I've sold a ton. Um, so it's, it's a, uh, you know, just motorcycling. If you're up for it, if you want to do this, if you, if you can send me a photo of that, the safety uh-huh. patch, I'll, I'll make it the uh, artwork for this episode. I think that'd be I'll cool you if you're, if you're willing, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I've got the artwork, <laughs> but uh, just uh, forward me your address and I'll send you one. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Cool, cool. So, uh, yeah, so, um, so Coda was interesting. I actually, you know, I've, I've seen, right, that, that uphill to turn one that you're talking about, and I've heard right. about it, and I've heard people say you have to be there to see it. I was there the whole day. I didn't see it simply because <laughs> I, most of the time I spent, you know, we, I was in the grandstand at turn 15, mm-hmm. which it, even, it's just amazing how much, <laughs> how, like, even though there's time between everything, you know, it's like, okay, so there's practice and then there's a break and then there's warm up, and then there's a break and then there's a race and then there's a break. And then there's a, yeah. even with the breaks, it's like, you know, you, you go get a hot dog or a beer or use the men's room. It's like the time just flies. Right. And I was taking pictures and stuff. So that, that takes time too. But, but it's interesting because um, I was in turn 15 when Marquez lost the front end. Yeah, so that, oh, that, wow. that, so that. that was wild to see you know, like right there in person, almost right there. I mean, that was turn 12 or 13, I think. So, but, but it was, had a real clear view of it. What, what's of course funny, right? The photographer is I was playing with my camera, right? Getting ready to take pictures. And I look up and I see him just starting to slide. And I got the camera. I didn't get the camera up quick enough. So I didn't get pictures. I mean, obviously tons of people did, but it was just oh, yeah. one of those things, you know, a good part of the race. I'm looking through the lens of the camera and then that happens and I'm not, you know, I'm not. So it's like, like that how it works life every time. That <laughs> but, just... but I'm telling you, he busted his ass, you know, because it was nice with the zoom lens. Even though I wasn't that close on the track, I could see pretty well. He busted his ass, and then you could see on the TV coverage to get that bike going again. Like mm-hmm. he, he tried everything he could. He picked up the bike. He was trying to bump start it. He went over the other way. He picked it up again. And then you could see finally it was like, okay, this isn't going to happen. It was, just, it was a lost, lost cause, unfortunately. Right. And then a lot of people don't realize how, how small in stature a lot of these riders are. I mean, those MotoGP yeah. bikes are lightweight compared to uh, other motorcycles, but these guys are little. I mean, they, they weigh I – bet, I bet Marquez – I bet you could look it up, but I bet he doesn't weigh more than 145 pounds. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Um, and, and they're super athletes. I mean, they're unbelievably uh, athletic. Yeah. Can you imagine? Can you like? I've done track days where at the end of the day, I'm just done. I'm beat to hell. But I'm riding an old bike that that has a like a third, maybe a half, if I'm lucky, of the power those guys have on their motorcycles. It's a lot of work. It's oh, it's tired. Sure. It's physically yeah. exhausting. So fall off the bike and then get back up and then push it. Yeah. I can't even imagine it. My hat's off to them. I, I don't care whose fan you are. You got to realize all these people out there are like aliens. They're not human beings. I don't know what they right. are, but they're <laughs> right. <all> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and it's interesting too because pretty much the whole grandstand, like even if they weren't a Marquez fan, when that happened, you could tell people like, Oh, come on. No, like oh, this yeah. is no, this is not the way for someone else to win. That's just not right. it's not it's not right. And I don't know, I never followed up on it. Did you hear was there any final conclusion statement from Honda about what went wrong? Like I heard I had heard initially there was some kind of mechanical issue. Well, I know his teammate was having um issues with uh with uh his transmission i don't know if i mean when the front end of a motorcycle goes out it's really hard to tell if it's anything other than just rider pushing it too hard and the front tire just giving up on you right uh so i don't know i i honestly i don't i I don't remember reading anything that made me raise an eyebrow to it uh this is a question that jensen would be able to give you a thousand word essay to right right right. (laughs) maybe maybe i'll have to write send an email (laughs) so you can talk about on the next episode yeah, cool. But anyway, that was fun. Had um had you ever been to a Moto America race live before? Before Coda? Oh, at, at Austin? Yeah. Uh, like yeah. Any other? The year prior. Okay. Yep, I'd gone the year prior just with a couple of buddies and you know, again the same thing. We walked all over the place and ate a lot and drank a lot and um and then the year before that, uh I had gone to uh Valencia, Spain for the season final. Mm-hmm. Um if you ever get a chance uh, and I'm sure any of your listeners who have experienced that will agree with me. Watching MotoGP live in Europe, Europe is a wholly different experience. Yeah, um, the people there are so intensely into it; it's it's like religion to them. Um, it's funny to be able to walk around freely at uh, in, in Austin. You know, it's big and there's a lot of space. But like in Valencia, you're, you're shoulder to shoulder, no matter where you go. You can go to the fan zone. You can go to Vendors, you can go buy a cup of water or, uh, or I mean, a cup of espresso. You're just shoulder to shoulder the whole time. There's so many people there. Yeah. Um, and the whole city is just, you know, alive with people wearing all the colors of their favorite, you know, favorite teams. Lots of bright yellow 46s, lots of red Ducatis, lots of orange and blue Hondas. So, um, you know, it's it's different. It's amazing. Uh, the, it's fun to be in a spot where you hear all these different languages around you because you're in Europe. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, right. it's tiny, but it's full of all different kinds of culture and all different kinds of language. So, uh, that one was way more fun, I think, than Austin, but just a different crowd. Mm-hmm, totally. Yeah. That, that's definitely on my bucket list is to see MotoGP in Europe, just like, uh, going to, uh, Monte Carlo to see formula one. <laughs> Mine too. Yeah. <laughs> to sign me up for that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and of course, Isla Man. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see on that. Um, Yeah. So cool. Actually, uh, so last year I had seen, first time I saw Moto America live was actually in New Jersey. Uh, I'm going to go again this year. And actually, what I hope works out, we got rained out last October, but I had signed up, actually Gene and I signed up to do the two-up experience. Nice. Where, where they take you on the back of a race bike. Oh, yeah. Right, and they do give you, do you a couple, couple, couple <laughs> laps around. Oh, for sure. Like, um, and, um, I, I was surprised Gina agreed. And, and we'll see when we get there if she'll actually do it. But anyway, <laughs> it, it rained, so they 
you know, they won't they won't do the two up if it's raining, which I understand. I've heard they don't go a whole lot slower than they do solo. Just so I mean, they they will put you to the test. That's my that's my understanding. I mean, I saw a video of uh this this guy Chris Ulrich who runs a race team. He was a racer a couple you know years ago. Um, he's the one that does the two up experience, and I've seen videos with people you know to get off the back of his bike, and it it like it it varies. That's the whole spectrum, right? But it's anything from oh my god, that's the most awesome thing I ever did. Like people are always happy. Like I've never seen a dissatisfied customer but there were people actually it was funny because one of the guys he took around actually he was on the back of the bike and i guess he had a whatever mic in his helmet or something right and 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 it was so funny he's like oh my god oh my god i can't believe this oh and he's still going faster (laughs) so it was it was was pretty cool to see so yeah it's cool anyway so yeah so it got rained out so we have we have rain checks for uh, this coming october so i gotta make sure we get our tickets for the track and go to go to see that one so that'll, that'll be a blast definitely go i think i think you'll have a good time that'll be but a good thing I, to talk about as well oh uh, absolutely but i'm sure it'll be one of those things like why did i why did i decide to do this like when you're on the first <laughs> the, the main straightaway the first time <laughs> who knows you might take up skydiving next uh, who knows who knows yeah we'll see but I, I, when it comes to skydiving i'm you know from that camp of you know who wants to jump out of a perfectly good airplane so but, <laughs> but I, I know i know people that have done it you know <laughs> Have you? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a I'm a fine motorcycle rider. I don't think I'm a very good passenger. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so let's let's talk Ducatis a little bit. Okay. Okay. I guess I guess you've got a little experience with Ducatis. Haven't haven't uh, worked at, haven't worked with Motocorsa for a while. Um, so now so there's this term I hear right Ducatisti. Right. So how first of all did I did I pronounce that right? Yep, Ducatisti, and then Ducatisti. there's Ducatista as well. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, is, 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 okay. Gotcha. Okay. But is yeah. one is one masculine, one feminine, or it's just nope, nope, it's just singular or plural. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so and it's just uh, it's it's a uh, it's a person who is a fan of the Ducatis and eats, sleeps, you know, uh, dreams Ducati all the time. Uh, I I I am definitely one, but I've always made sure to tell everybody that you know while I made bleed Ducati red, I love all the other brands. There's there's hardly yeah. a brand I dislike. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've owned a Harley even, which wasn't that long, but I still did. Right. Uh, it's, it's definitely a brand that, that has done a great job, um, sort of instilling passion in people, right? It's, it's, uh, it's Italian. Every Italians are known for passion. They're known for building crazy things like Ferraris and Lamborghinis and Aprilias and Ducatis and, and making some of the best foods and making some of the best wines and, uh, just being a beautiful part of the world. Uh, so Ducati has done a good job of of marketing that and and making it where it's about this visceral sensation. The bikes make a certain noise, uh, gives you a certain certain feeling, and they have a certain red color that's very unique to them. Right. Um, so, you know, most people that I know that are motorcyclists at one point or another have, have wanted to have a Ducati or have seen a Ducati and have been sort of blown away by it and have had a picture of a monster or a 916 on their wall at some point in life i was one of those and the minute i was able to own a ducati i snapped it up because it's a lot easier than owning a ferrari <laughs> so <laughs> good, right? good, good point good point even the most expensive ducati is still a fraction of the cost of a, of a car a, a couple zeros you, less <laughs> yeah exactly and you can still get the same sensation if not better of speed and handling and of, of that that feeling special when you're on that bike. And that's what it is, right? Motorcycling is by far, I think, a more emotional thing than anything else. And 
what's more emotional than an Italian red bike just glistening in the sun that you just got off of? It's it's one of those bikes that no matter which one you have, every Ducati owner will tell you the same thing. Every time they get off of it and walk away, they look back and stare at it for a second. It is mm-hmm. it's just a part of you. You love it. They're not perfect, especially the older ones. There were mechanical issues with them all the time. They they needed they're very expensive to maintain and they're maintain their maintenance heavy. And it's funny when you hear all these like sort of negative things about them and go, what is it that's driving you people to these bikes still? Well, because they make me feel special. I feel mm-hmm. really great when I when I'm on it. I feel amazing when I see other people look at it. Uh if I'm a fast rider and I ride on the track, I I'm, I feel extra good on it. So it's a cool brand that that is that's got that that effect on people. Much like Harley, Harley to Americans is the same thing, right? It's this it's this yeah. brand idea. It's it's people being in love with the with the brand as a whole. Now Harley's a lot bigger. They're more like Disney World to Ducati, but um, Ducati has the ability to make you feel like you own a Ferrari for literally a fraction of the price, mm-hmm. uh, and and get all that same sensation and feeling out of it. Um, they've done a really good job of having you know clubs around the world uh it's called doc the desma owners club uh and every major city has it uh in fact if you ever go to ducati new york they'll probably tell you all about their club over there um you know here we have uh, ducati pacifica which is the northwest you know like northwestern oregon uh slash southwest uh, washington chapter we have i think 291 members uh and and we're very active we ride a lot together and you know, just like in New York, well, we don't have as, I don't think as bad of a weather as you do. We're pretty temperate here. Yeah. It rains a lot, but it's still rideable. Right. Uh, it's not a heavy, crazy rain. And so, you know, I still manage to ride 11, 12,000 miles a year out here. Um, but the brand just makes you feel good. I think it's, they've done a really good job and they have really good customer service generally in their stores. They've done a very good job of going to all the different dealerships and having a very specific identity. And mm-hmm. you just know when you're at a Ducati dealership and you know where you're going to be treated like and what's going to happen. Are there bad dealerships? Yes. Are there great dealerships? Totally. Sure. Uh, but overall the consensus is that it's a better experience. Yeah, no, no that's cool. In fact, uh, a couple of weeks ago I was out the end of long Island, uh, the Yamaha test truck, was in town so i was just driving some yamahas but i was talking to a salesman in there who mostly sells triumphs and stuff but he said that they were working towards becoming a ducati dealer and and he said there'd been some hiccups because and i i get it like ducati has some requirements about okay this is what we need you to do you need to have Mm -hmm. this much floor space and this is where it's got to be and this is how it's got to look and so Mm -hmm. they were still you know i guess dotting all their i's crossing all their t's kind of thing but but that that'd be really cool because I have a buddy that that has a Panigale V4S and he, you know, he takes it to a dealer that's probably two hours away because he hasn't found a dealer on Long Island that he trusts. But he knows these guys, right? Know, and it's like it's like a what do they do? They do Yamaha, Kawasaki, I don't know, a couple other things, Triumph and whatever. So you know, hopefully that works out for him. He's got a, a dealer because I think he lives like 15, 20 minutes from there. So it'll kind of be <laughs> kind of be the ideal so scene. Happens. I mean, we we had a pair of guys that would come up from the Bay Area to get their bikes taken care of by us and so you know they would spend a weekend here um even though there are i think three ducati shops within an hour of the bay area within the bay area so people are people are very much uh, like we said at the very beginning of this conversation people are very brand and or uh club loyal so if you feel like you're part of a club in a dealership and and you feel good when you walk in there and they know your name and 
they make you feel like you matter. You're not just a customer that they want to get money from. Right. And they give you an experience. And that's the thing we've always talked about. Make it an experience. Make it a good experience because mm-hmm. motorcycle buyers are, are a bunch of crazy emotional people. So if you can if you can make it where they have a fine experience and they feel good about that, they'll pay you. Not a matter of it. I mean, as long as you're fair about it, there's dealerships that are nice and still want to pay you too much and people don't want it. But right. you can be fair in your price and great in your experience and people will just come. Right. And Motor Corsa in Portland has done a fine job of that. So free plug for them on that one. Ah, there you go. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah, actually, I was uh, I was taking a look because I because I knew that you had worked at Motor Corsa and I was looking actually at their website, beautiful website. Yeah. And uh, I, one of the things I thought was cool was getting back to what we were saying before about brands and you know kind of being open to brands of all types. You know, it mentioned in there, or maybe you had mentioned someone somewhere I saw that, that you know when they do track days, like they arrange track days. Is that a PIR that normally that mm-hmm. they do that? That's that, PIR, that's, and they also go to Washington State, the little town of Shelton, where there's the Ridge Motorsports Complex, which is okay. awesome. Okay, but like when they do it, it's open to all brands, right? It's not just yep. D- Ducati yep. owners only. So that's no, really cool. Whatever, it's like, whatever bike you want, it, yeah. it'll be. It's a cool deal. It's a cool track day for a lot of people that aren't around Ducatis all the time because you will see dozens of Ducatis. But sure, that's fine. Every brand, every yeah. brand. But uh, but yeah, I mean Ducati is interesting. You know, I'm um I've got two Kawasaki's. I definitely consider myself a Kawasaki fan. I've got my Kawasaki bling, my shirts and my hats and stuff. Nice. But whatever that that that's just kind of my thing but i have to say like when when i think ducati or when i see a ducati it just there is something just different you know there's they're just exotic for the reasons right. that you said whether it's the, the the shade of red or just the way things are put together it, it just you know it, it's it's I, I like i get it i get why people love that brand they're like works of art you know they're like works of art on two wheels kind of thing yeah yeah you know, rolling even, art is a real thing uh, even recently, I posted a photo of a, a scrambler or something, you know, on my Facebook page, and it's like it's just beautiful bikes to look at. Yeah, you know, so yeah, that's cool stuff. Cool you, should stuff. Go, you should go ride one when you have the chance. They're, they're, I'd, they're... I'd love to, and I want to ride everything. I've I've ridden, you know, what have I ridden now? I've ridden some K, a KTM, a BMW, a Harley, you know, some Yamaha. So yeah, I, I, I definitely like. I haven't ridden a Suzuki, but I'm I'm game. I'll try anything. I tried the Nikon, which was really cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm a uh, you know, like I said, I'm a Kawasaki guy right now. That that could change next year. I mean, I'm 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 open, you know. But um, I've had my fair share of Kawasaki's and had a lot of really really great times and put a lot of miles on them. So there, I got. I'm telling you, man. There's hardly a brand. There are models I don't love, but whatever. That's the beauty of it. There's a lot of choices out there. You don't have to love everything, but I love I love the idea of motorcycling, which is I think what draws me to all the brands. Yeah, <clears throat> it's actually amazing the number of models that are out there. It actually could be a little bewildering, especially for a new person like trying to yeah. decide what what they want as a first bike you know you, you go yeah. to just one manufacturer they got like whatever it's like 20 30 different models it's like you know how do i pick <laughs> yeah yeah so. it's, it's a real thing it's uh it's easy to get overwhelmed with it so you know i i always told people buy the bike that makes you happy right yeah that's what it comes down to it might be a little bit over your budget it might be less than what you thought you had to pay for it but nowadays you know the dealerships and the banks are doing a good job of making sure that you can afford the thing you want. So whether it's a, a Ducati or a Kawasaki or a Honda, it doesn't matter. Go, go look at all of them, spend time, listen to podcasts, read magazines, check out pictures, go and just kick tires. And you're going to see the bike that you're going to, you're going to find a motorcycle that's just make you go weak on the knees and you won't be able to answer why it's making you do that. That's the right one. Right. I, I know. I'd agree with that. I mean, I've heard people, I've used this phrase like the motorcycle speaks to me kind of thing. It, yep. It's just a certain things. And and that was kind of 
like the Z900 RS when I bought that, you know, both of my bikes, the, the Vulcan S and that one, I bought off the showroom floor, brand new, never having test ridden. Mm-hmm. Um, not because I'm against test riding. The Vulcan S was I didn't have enough experience. I didn't want to, you know, ride someone else's brand new bike. Right. And then the, the Z900 RS, just because it's very hard to get test rides, particularly like on Long Island and particularly like those brands. So I, I yeah. took a chance. But, you know, I had seen the Z900 RS, you know, in magazines and the internet, I was like, wow, I love the way that bike looks. I went to International Motorcycle Show in New York City. It was whatever it was, December 2017 or whatever. I sat mm-hmm. on one. I didn't have, to, I didn't start it, nothing. I just sat on it. I'm like, yep, this is it. I love this bike. And fortunately, it's worked out. So I'm, I'm two for two. We'll see. It's a beautiful bike. I, I love oh, that bike. I think uh, it's one of the most great. handsome bikes yeah. ever made. Yeah, no, I love it. It's, it's it's a lot of fun. I saw the cafe version a couple of days ago, and I was like, "Well, I would ride that." <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and like I said, I'll I'll try anything. I'll whatever. I'd love to try Triumphs. It's like I, I just love motorcycles. It's you know, whatever. You know, I, I'd even you know, I rode a scooter way way many years ago before I got my motorcycle <laughs> license. But hey, I'll even ride scooters. It's like it's two wheels. So they're fun. They're a lot of fun. They're incredibly fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. a blast. Alrighty, so uh, I know you haven't had your dinner yet. How you how you doing on time? Okay. <laughs> All right, awesome. So before we wrap it up, I just wanted to ask this because you know one of the things I am trying to do is help get new riders and whatever into the sport of motorcycling. Any anything you want to add that we haven't hit upon already? Like any advice that you have for for new riders, people getting started. Um, the you know the advice that I always give to new riders is this. When you get started, because if you're if you're going to be a new rider, you already know it. Just don't skimp out on the safety gear. That that's going to be the difference between a good experience and a bad experience potentially, right? Because motorcycles are fun, no matter what you ride. It's going to be a fun bike. But if and it's a big if, if something bad happens to you, like you get hit or you fall off the bike, or you know gravity in general, if if that happens to you and you're not prepared for it it's going to be a very bad experience for you and it's going to be a long-lasting experience so you know invest that initial money and buy good gear that fits you properly if you go to a place that doesn't know how to fit you get out of there go to somewhere that knows how to fit you properly because a lot of new riders think that a jacket is supposed to fit them like a like a fashion jacket loose and comfortable uh think that a helmet might be too tight if it squeezes their cheeks but go to somewhere that can do a good job of fitting you properly so that this stuff is comfortable and it feels good when you put it on. And maybe you like the, I know you should like the way it looks because that'll force you to ride it more. So honestly, my biggest uh, comment to new riders is because I see it more often than not where they're not prepared. They have a helmet. They just had enough money to buy a helmet and they don't worry about gloves or the jacket. And it's like, you know, this, this whole thing hurts. Um, you know, bike parts are replaceable, but, body parts are not and if they are they're very expensive they're way more expensive than bike parts yeah so protect yourself protect yourself if you have the money to buy the really good expensive stuff fine but you don't have to buy the expensive stuff a 200 hundred dollar helmet will protect your head the same way as a thousand dollar helmet will. um you know buy a good pair of gloves buy a good jacket you don't have to spend a ton of money on it but make sure it fits you properly and wear it all the time awesome great points Yep. And uh, if uh, if people want to reach out to you, contact you, what's the best way? Uh, honestly, through uh, through uh, Brap Talk, which is our podcast. Okay. Uh, I'll give ourselves a little plug here, if you don't mind. No, absolutely. Uh, so we're we're on Instagram at at uh, at Brap Talk B R A P Talk. Um, you can you can basically reach me on there pretty easily. We're we're on Facebook.com/slash Brap Talk. 
um, I believe we're on Twitter, which is we Brap talk. And then our, our, um, um, email is we Brap talk. So W E Brap talk at gmail.com. Um, I monitor all those pretty well. And so does Jensen. And, you know, we try to reach out to everybody that, that answers us. I, I always see messages daily. So I, I love hearing from people. If you have any ideas, if you have any questions, uh, don't be shy. Come at me. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. So people definitely check out Brap Talk. Um, I mean, I've been listening since uh, Two Enthusiasts. And it's kind of it's interesting because when that ended, I was bummed. I was like, oh, man, I love this podcast. But then you guys started up Brap Talk. I was like, OK, this is really this is yeah. really good, too. Awesome stuff. And, uh, you know, Asphalt and Rubber dot com. I mean, I'm a subscriber to A&R Pro. Awesome. Um, nice. So, so that's well yeah. Yeah. So that's an awesome site for just all kinds of information on motorcycles and what's going on in the industry. And I mean, Jensen Beeler has got he just knows tons and tons of people and he's got a really good pulse on what's happening in the industry. So that's a great place to go for info. But yeah, it's like when, whenever I find a resource, whether it's like a podcast or something like A&R that like I'm really benefiting from and like I'm, I'm getting value. Like I just feel, I just feel like I need to exchange something. So right. whatever, I'll, you know, I'll subscribe on Patreon or like in this case, I signed up for A&R pro. I don't get to read it as much as I'd like, but at least I know, you know, I'm kind of helping support. It's things. always on it's the background just, of my computer at work or at yeah, home. It's all, yeah. I'm always updating it and reading it. And, uh, you know, he, he does a really good job of staying on top of stories and, um, you know, and, and guys like yourself and ourselves that, you know, we do this podcasting, we're not making any money from it. It's not for that. It's just to make sure that people are as informed and as entertained and, uh, able to ask the questions they need to ask. And then that's what we do. You know, we've got a lot of experience between all of us. And if we can help you in any way, shape or form, I mean, yesterday somebody messaged me and asked me how to use a button on their Ducati and I knew the answer. So I'm glad I could help and nice. I'll continue on doing that. It's, it's my favorite things in the world. And, uh, we're going to do more. We're going to, we're going to do more about travel and food and everything motorcycle related. So keep listening. And I appreciate that you listen and I've been enjoying listening to your podcast as well. So glad, glad, glad. All right. Awesome. 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 All right, Shaheen. Thanks for joining me. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, any, any sign off you want to give to the listeners? Uh, you know, as I always say, uh, make good choices and safety third. Awesome. All right. Good night, man. Good night. Take care. Thank you again to Shaheen Alvandi, the shot of Brap for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, so just uh, in closing out the show, I just wanted to just make a make a few kind of notes and comments here. So I did mention in the last show that I've got some stickers now for the podcast. So if you'd like one to to stick on whatever you want to stick it on and uh, you know help help promote the podcast, I'd appreciate it. Just uh, send an email to so you want to ride at yahoo dot com and just send me your mailing address. I'll ship one out to you. Uh, you know, while while supplies last, I don't have an infinite supply, but uh, definitely if you'd like one, I'll send one out. Um, and then this coming Memorial Day weekend, I'm going to be at the 7th Annual AHRMA Vintage Motorcycle Festival and Swap Meet. Uh, I'm going to be there with the Vintage Japanese Motorcycle Club and also sharing a tent with the Women Riders World Relay. So we're going to be doing photos and stuff there. So if uh, if you're going to be there, by all means, come by and say hello. I'd love to meet you in person. And uh, if you ever want to contact me, just email me at so you want to ride at yahoo.com. Or at the website, so you want to ride a motorcycle.com. All the links are there for my social media, and you'll find links for the podcast on all the various podcast platforms. And uh, I recently just came across a website called podparadise.com that seems to be a catalog of all the different uh, podcasts that are out there. So uh, my podcast is, is listed there. So uh, check it out. And uh, if, you'd, if you'd like, leave me a review. Leave me a review on any of the other services. I'd really appreciate it. 
Uh, please like and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for So You Want to Ride or just click the link on my website and spread the word. And please keep helping me build my online community and my, uh, my community of listeners. So as always, I thank you very much for listening. And just remember, whatever you do, it's always time to ride. Thank <laughs> you.